views, ideas, and opinions of all of us here on Well Loved, and our guests are their own. And you should always seek additional professional opinion and advice pertaining to any of the topics discussed here on Well Loved with Lucia. Hello and welcome to our brand new show, Well Loved with Lucia. For those of you who were fans and listeners to Lucia at Night, you knew that Lucia at Night was all about relationships. And essentially what we've done is rename the show. (laughs) Um, So if you liked Lucia at Night, this is just um, a renamed version as we try and keep things more in line with what we're doing here at Well Seekers. Well Loved with Lucia is still a retreat and a treat for your day. It's a place to laugh, to connect, to learn how to love yourself and the people that you love a bit more. So we're going to be talking about all things relationships, building a better relationship for you, the ones you love, your family, and everything in between. My name's Lucia. I am an Emmy-nominated storyteller, and I am a licensed clinical mental health expert for those of you who don't know me. On this show, we are kicking off well-loved with some of our guests that you may know from Lucia at Night. And when we talk about relationships, since relationships are the cornerstone of this show, I went back to something that I deal with a lot uh, professionally and, of course, personally, and we'll talk about that as well, which is when we're in relationships, even the way we talk to ourselves, but the way that we talk to other people, especially our primary partner, it matters a lot. I see it in my work, I know it from research, um, and I know it from just being in relationships with other people and having been married myself. One of the most shocking pieces of data that I've always thought of when I'm thinking from about couples counseling is that one of the largest issues cited in divorce are communication issues. Um, an estimated 65 to 70% of marriages that end in divorce are typically because of communication issues. So I want you to think back because I, whenever I read this, I think back of my, on my relationships, right? And which ones I coded as good and healthy and which ones I coded as a struggle and a challenge. And it usually had to do not so much with the person, not so much about characteristics, not so much about values and beliefs that were different, but it almost always had to do with communication, My ex-husband and I, which if you've um, listened to Lucia at night, and we'll get into it in Well Loved as well, um, communication was never an issue with us. It was one of the reasons why when I was thinking about my own personal experience, that communication with us was actually one of the best things about our relationship. And when we were in our relationship, it always felt so stable because of the communication. When I think about relationships, again, where there were struggles, it was always because there were misunderstandings because of lack of communication. But one of the hardest things is identifying when the way you're communicating is not the best way to communicate with your partner. And what typically happens in that cycle is there's a miscommunication, a misunderstanding, and now we're reacting to these uh, communication patterns and untruths that are being communicated back and forth because no one's truly understanding what the other person's saying. One of the things that come into play as well when we look at research and data is that sometimes because of just the way society is, men are conditioned to believe that expressing their feelings is sort of out of character. So because of that, sometimes men can develop unhealthy communication patterns because they're not used to expressing their feelings. The same thing can happen 
for any gender. It's just that with men, sometimes there is a holdback and it can come out in one of the less healthy communication styles and patterns. On today's show, we have an incredible guest. This is going to be a two-part series. If you listen to Lucia at Night, you are familiar with Dr. Anna Kress. She is a licensed clinical psychologist, and she is um, an expert in a, a lot of relationship challenges and issues, and one of her specialties is communication. So Dr. Anna Kress is going to come on and talk to us about communication patterns. There's four communication styles. So what are they? which one is yours, and how do we change this, right? Because the goal in relationship isn't to win when we're communicating, right? I think sometimes that's one of the biggest things that I hear um, is, well, he or she or they want to just win, right? And that is rarely the case. It's mostly that we all just want to be understood and have when someone say, I hear you, I understand you, and let's talk about this, right? But that's hard to drop into when we don't even know our communication style, when we don't even know how we're coming off. So today's show is all about taking a breath, taking a beat, learning about your communication style, being open to it, right? That's one of the biggest things too, being open to the fact that you may not know what your communication style is. You may think you know, but you may not know what your communication style is. Or dropping into what is your partner's communication style? You may think you know, you may not know, right? Some of these things and concepts were extremely eye-opening to me, both on my own patterns and patterns of my partner. So, I just feel like this is one of the most essential foundational things about relationship, which is why we are kicking off well-loved with this topic, which is all about communication. I just know for myself, when I'm in a relationship, I just want to be heard, which makes me feel loved. So one of the ways to get to feeling and being well-loved is to work on my own communication and to work on that with my partner. So Dr. Anna Kress is going to join us um, and talk about the four communication styles. What are they? Which one is yours? Which one is your partner's? And how can we get to a place where we are communicating in a way that we get the love that we want for ourselves and from someone else? So we will be right back on Well Loved with Dr. Anna Kress. This is Well Loved with Lucia. Welcome back, Fresh Start, and our very first guest. I couldn't be more excited. If you don't follow her on social media from the last time she was on the show, definitely make sure you follow her. Um, Dr. Anna Kress, she is a licensed clinical psychologist with over 15 years of experience providing psychotherapy. She completed her postdoctoral fellowship at Princeton University and has a private practice in Princeton, New Jersey. Um, Dr. Kress also writes a blog and leads workshops that focus on the relationship between emotional wellness and manifesting goals. Dr. Anna Kress, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me again, Lucia. So happy to be here. First of all, I'd like to do a check-in with all our guests. You know, it was a very interesting year. You know, I think for therapists doing teletherapy, making that switch has been really interesting. Um, I've been so surprised by how much I really like it, you know, Um, seeing all my clients virtually. So that's been a really interesting change. Um, I I love it. Why do you like it? Well, I thought I would lose the connection because, you know, you see their body language more when you're in person, you know, there's just, you, you 
get a sense of what's happening. And I thought that would be lost with teletherapy, but honestly, it's really effective. And so I, I'm just amazed at how much you can really replicate what happens in the room through teletherapy. I, I'm really loving it. I mean, obviously it has a convenience um, for sure, but it's, it's also, I think, just as effective. That's what I'm finding. I agree. The skills are slightly different um, mm. that you have to utilize, but just for people listening, it uh, makes it more accessible. If you have yes. hesitated to go to therapy because it's, I mean, truly it's two hours out of your day. And when you're working, yeah. that's a big ask. But if yeah. you go to your car and it's 45, 50 minutes, mm -hmm. that's a reasonable demand on people's time, right? Yeah. 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 So that's been the positive change, I would say. <laughs> and then personally, is everything well with you? Yeah, you know, just grateful, you know, to be healthy. And, and, and you know, I think one thing I've been doing is just like spending more time in nature, which that has been good. You know, I think that that's sort of the one of the few positive things um, sort of coming out of this, trying to get back into nature, you know, with just how limited... Um, our opportunities for, you know, um, doing things right now are. Absolutely. One of the things that has taken a toll, right, are our relationships. So some relationships I've seen within working with couples, they've, aug they've augmented actually because of mm -hmm. this. And some relationships have struggled, right? Yeah. And when I say relationships today, I want to talk broadly. And in this series, we're talking broadly. And then we're also talking primary significant other mm -hmm. um, as well. So we would love to talk about communication because that is one of the things when couples have been or family systems have been with each other, it seems like communicating, um, there's been some friction there and that has cropped up. Have you experienced that in your work as well? Have you heard? Yes. I mean, you really can't escape communication when you are locked down with people, you know, or, you know, conversely, if you're in an experience where you have less opportunities for communicating. So the ones that you do have, like, say you're like online dating or something like that, um, or, you know, just communicating virtually with people in general, then those communications really do become important. So I think this really highlights what is our communication style. Mm. you know, and how effective is it? Can we start there with mm -hmm. what are basic communication styles that you see predominantly? Well, th there are, you know, I would say like four basic communication styles. The first the communication style is assertiveness. And you think about assertiveness, it's really the healthiest and most effective type of communication style. And people who tend to be assertive also tend to have uh, secure attachment or earn secure attachment where they've worked on that, um, where they kind of expect to be understood. They expect other people to be responsive. And so they express their feelings more accurately and more freely, you know? And so you can kind of spot assertiveness because someone's making a lot of I statements, and they have good eye contact and maybe like a firm voice, maybe good body posture, you know, like sitting, sitting up straight or standing up straight. And they tend to be very respectful towards you when they have an assertive communication style. Um, so they're going to, the dialogue is going to be a lot more open, a lot more honest, more respectful. 
um, you know, and someone who has assertive communication style is, you know, they kind of believe that they have a right to ask for what they want. So there's a lot of feelings of self-worth also involved with the communication, that particular communication style. Um, Whereas someone who has, you know, the other three are passive, aggressive, and passive aggressive. So we could talk about each one separately. Like the passive style, you know, you may recognize um, that pretty quickly. You know, someone who has a really hard time saying no. You know, you might even see their body posture being very constricted or or sort of like slouching or something like that. You know, the eye contact's kind of poor. Um, and they tend to just kind of want to go with the flow, not really um, ask for their preference. Like if you ask somebody, like, where do you want to go out to eat? Oh, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. And so there's a lot of like deferring to others. And, you know, um, there's a lot of caretaking and giving that often comes with that passive communication style um, because people don't feel comfortable asking for wh- what they want. Um, and, you know, people that I work with, often have some sort of a trauma history. And so it can be very difficult to express what you need and what you want when you've had experiences where that wasn't, you know, met um, with a good response. It might've been like physical abuse. It might've been, you know, a parent kind of withdrawing from you. It might've been, you know, that you had a very, you had parents who had a very authoritarian style where it was their way or no way. And so there are a lot of reasons why somebody develops the passive communication style. You know, you think about the stress responses, you know, um, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. This would be more along the lines of like freeze and fawn, where somebody's kind of shutting down perhaps, or fawning where there's a lot of like people pleasing going on, you know? Absolutely. And I think that the key to extract from it is that it's not just as if this person really is, they may present as go with the flow, right? But they do have opinions. They're just yes. there to voice them, right? And they're yeah. almost suppressing them as yes. well, right? Yeah. And after a while, sometimes it can be difficult to even know what you do want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you said, it either can... Re- um, sort of develop into resentment where you do know maybe what you want. You're just not voicing it because it doesn't feel safe mm-hmm. because of your past experiences or maybe the current situation, or um, you're not even sure what you want anymore because you kind of have gone along with other people's preferences for so long. And, you know, what I tend to see is that people who have like a very chronic passive style, what happens is, you know, they'll go from relationship or situation to relationship uh, or situation and they will sort of accommodate the partner or let's say it's a work situation you know they'll, they'll accommodate whoever's around them to the point where their life looks different based on who they're around mm-hmm. and so it's a little bit difficult to even know like what do you like and so some of that work in therapy can be about discovering that and then feeling safe enough to voice that mm-hmm. um yeah. So, the, and then, you know, there's the aggressive style, which, you know, someone who has an aggressive style is going to dominate the conversation. You know, they're not really going to listen um, as much. And, you know, there may be um, criticizing, controlling kind of behaviors that you see with that, or, you know, someone being very demanding or hostile. And, you know, with that, you see more of like a fight stress response where there's, you know, they get triggered 
and immediately they want to go into the attack mode. And again, this is a self-protective strategy and this, you know, you can work on it. Although I would say like the one thing, you know, um, where that's not the case is if it's an abusive relationship, Mm. whether it's like physical abuse, emotional abuse, narcissistic abuse, that requires like a very professional kind of um, intervention rather than like the strategies we'll be talking about today. But um, you know, someone who has a, an aggressive communication style is going to be disagreeable. Or, you know, again, if it gets very toxic, it could look like gaslighting, where there's like a lot of emotional abuse and manipulation and you start to question your reality. Um, or, you know, a lot of blame and things like that. So an uh, easy way to spot someone who is, does have an aggressive communication style is that they constantly interrupt or talk over you, or are very critical, or think they're right, or they may glare at you, um, rather than that healthy eye contact that you see in assertiveness. Um, or they just have like that, it's my way or the highway kind of attitude. Um, you know, so that can um, vary in terms of like severity. Like again, it could become abusive. Are there any Sign and and you may not be able to answer this or feel comfortable answering this, but are there any signs if when it crosses over from aggressive to abuse that you feel like are worth noting? Um, you know, I think that it's often very subtle. Like, let's say it's narcissistic abuse, they can start with love bombing you. So in the beginning, you might think like, oh, this person is so charming. They're so like dazzling and they're so kind and they really care and they're so interested in me and so it can be really difficult to spot when the criticism starts to you know creep in and the attacks and then like that manipulation that can happen with for example narcissistic abuse um where you know you will point something out and then they'll lie about it or make you really question your own sanity or your own memory even um when you say, but you said this and they say, no, I didn't. Or you must be, you know, crazy or your memory, there must be a memory problem that you have, you know? So, um, when you start noticing those kind of behaviors where somebody's, you know, making you question your reality or constantly blaming, constantly criticizing, um, and manipulating, and, uh, you know, that's when it starts to creep into that territory and become very toxic, you know? So I, I think, you know, sometimes it's hard to spot it in the beginning because it, it can slowly develop. Absolutely. Yeah. So look for those signs though. And if you are with someone that has an aggressive, um, communication style, I would say stay alert, right? For, yeah. for some of those signs. Yeah. 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 I mean, sometimes that they're easy to spot, you know, when someone is aggressive mm -hmm. you know, when they're talking over you, they have no interest in what you're saying. Um, but other times, again, it can, can be more subtle because in the beginning they might actually be quite the opposite. And so if someone's trying really hard to charm you, that would be a red, sort of a red flag mm, to absolutely. sort of stay alert. Absolutely. So there's one more and that is the mix, correct? Yes. Of passive and aggressive. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I see the passive style a lot and I see passive aggressive a lot. And, and it's so interesting when that shows up because there, you know, it's, it's, again, it's an adaptive strategy to try to avoid, then this one is actually to try to avoid conflict. So there is anger, but it's expressed um, in a very passive way 
Um, sometimes that can look like, you know, for, you know, saying yes to something, but actually, but forgetting to do it or complaining about things, but not actually asking for what you want directly. So an example would be like, you're watching a movie with a partner and they say like, can you believe that character in that movie forgot to buy his wife an anniversary present? When really like you're angry because you didn't get a present, you know? And so sometimes these things are very indirect, but they do come out one way or another. Sometimes it can be like very sarcastic jokes or like cutting remarks that someone later says like, oh, I was just joking. You know, like subtle digs and things like that um, would be passive aggressive. And at the end of the day, when you're passive aggressive, you don't really get what you want. Again, with passive style either. And that would be, you know, an unfortunate um, side effect of of those styles is that you often don't get what you want. Um, But with a passive aggressive style, you know, it can be hurtful when you're, you know, making those jokes and when you are, um, people do sense when you are being aggressive underneath, you know, that very polite exterior often. Absolutely. It's almost not intentional, right? Mm-hmm. But there almost is some sort of manipulation that you're trying to do sub- almost subconsciously, right? Like, I don't feel confident enough to say this, but maybe if I say it in a different term where I have this pretend buffer, right? That they'll somehow acknowledge and change. Mm-hmm. So it's not directly asking for what you need. This is correct. There, it feels like there's not as much malice to passive aggressive. Does that make sense when they're trying to sort of manipulate the situation to what they want to say? It almost goes back to that trauma response of, I don't feel confident in saying what I want to say, but I know that I deserve it, right? There's that confliction and they can't reconcile it. And then it comes out as passive aggressive. Does that feel like in some circumstances, that's more the case? Yeah. And, and, you know, when I'm working with people who have like more of a passive aggressive style, the way that I work with trauma is I use, um, internal family systems or IFS, Mm -hmm. which basically like looks at different parts of us. And so with someone who's passive aggressive, I might say, you know, let's talk to that part of you that isn't speaking up, that feels passive, doesn't feel heard. And then another time, you know, we might want to talk to the part of you that's um, aggressive and is sort of more, you know, is angry actually, and doesn't feel like your needs are being met. And so you might work with both sides. So, you know, there is, you know, at least with, you know, the clients I work with often a trauma history that we can work with that. But if you're not actively working on a passive aggressive style, what I often see is, you know, people end up either noticing that they're passive aggressive and actually constricting their social interactions. Like they try to engage with people less because they know it'll come out. They know that as much as they want to be polite and get along with people, they know that they're going to make a biting remark. They know that eventually something's going to slip out. And so they try not to socialize and that's unfortunate. Or you see people who are like just very manipulative and, you know, that can come out even in groups like being very gossipy, trying to pit one group against another, you know, very subtle kind of things, but it comes out and it, you know, someone's not actively working on that, healing that. Um, it can create a lot of interpersonal problems. Like some people can self-identify that they're passive mm-hmm. aggressive, right? And obviously in the context of therapy as a therapist, it's 
you can help people see. But if someone is listening and isn't sure, right, they almost mm-hmm. can't self-identify. Yeah. Do you have any way to help people self-identify this may, right? Because even describing it, do you have any mm-hmm. examples of how it may look actually? So they might, um, so someone, like if you're passive aggressive, you might not say how you feel, but you might walk out of the room every time someone walks in, you know, like a person that you don't um, get along with or something like that. You might just like leave the room each time or, you know, or like if you're in some sort of a conflict, you might just like leave the room every time they walk in um, rather than example too. If you're, if you're saying, oh, can you believe, right, that that person didn't buy a gift when you're actually saying, why didn't you get me a gift? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yes. And, and so they might also like, um, you know, say yes to things, but then sulk about them. So that's another example. Like they might say something on, about someone else or they might say yes to something, but then kind of sulk and complain about it. Mm. And so um, you're kind of getting mixed messages or giving mixed messages if you have more of a passive aggressive style. And so there's a lot of, you know, benefit to just learning to be more direct and feeling safe in being more direct when you have that style. Absolutely. What about the shutdown style? (laughs) I've always thought of it as more of the avoidant personality style, but when there's no communication, right? If you communicate to someone in an assertive way, and there's a, just a complete shutdown. Yeah. I mean, I think that that kind of, in some ways, you know, is more like the freeze part of like maybe a passive style. Yes. Whereas if someone's shutting down, you know, an avoidant attachment style is similar, you know, like, like you're describing where fight or flight's not even like accessible. It's just going to shut down. And so with someone who is more avoidant in that way, um, you know, they're going to have a really hard time expressing their needs too, you know, so it's going to be very passive, but at the same time, um, their life isn't going to look the way they want it to because they're not actually expressing what they feel. They're not expressing what they need. And in a partnership that can create problems, you know, that can create certain kinds of patterns in partnerships, especially where one partner is kind of pursuing and one's distancing. And, and so, um, it can really, create problems, but that is something you can totally work on. And so if somebody does have more of that shutdown, you can work on creating more safety in the relationship. Or if you notice that you have that kind of shutdown response, you know, I think working on um, secure attachment with others is really important. And we can talk about those exact skills and we can even, you know, talk about assertiveness techniques. But at the end of the day, you know, when I work with somebody who is, showing any kind of insecure attachment, but including avoidant, you know, a lot of the work has to do with getting in touch with those parts of you that feel, you know, more vulnerable and wounded. Um, Again, getting past like these protective parts of ourselves first and working with those parts first, but eventually getting to those wounded younger inner child parts and actually creating a secure attachment with them. Because if you feel secure within yourself, you know, your outside relationships are going to show a lot less of these kind of indirect or aggressive communication styles because you'll feel more secure within. Does that make sense kind of? Oh, it absolutely makes sense. And when we want you to come back and talk about 
some of the interactions um, and how these communication styles, how they work with each other, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then in our third part of this series, um, we're going to talk about those strategies. How can we change our own styles? How can we navigate to help change uh, um, our partner style or work with our partners with their their primary style. Um, but before we let you go in this episode, could you talk about what are some of the positives, not as challenges, I, I don't <laughs> use the word negative, but what, what are some of the positive and challenges that come with these different styles? Well, I think, you know, of course, with assertiveness, you know, there are a lot of positives. You know, like when we start becoming more assertive, I think, you know, people are often surprised that they, that they get so much more of what they actually want out of life. Mm-hmm. That when you learn how to ask for things assertively, you actually get a lot of things. Yeah. And so I think that that's, you know, obviously a good benefit. And, you know, people really feel comfortable with you when you're assertive because they know where they stand. To this next episode, but that... I've shared about a past relationship where that was actually not the case where when I was assertive from a secure place, Mm -hmm. my partner was actually like completely shut down and could never dialogue about it. Well, I mean, it's interesting because I think, you know, we can talk more about like secure, like creating safety. Mm -hmm. And I think for some people, it takes a lot of work for them to feel safe in a relationship. And so even though your partner might be assertive, um, if you're not feeling quite safe yet, your response to that might not be, you know, to also be assertive and to be responsive if you don't even know how to be responsive. And so not everyone's going to respond well to assertiveness, but I think within a relationship, that can be something that people do work on if they choose to stay in the relationship, you know? Absolutely. And we'll get into that next episode for sure. Um, What, before we let you go um, in episode one, Dr. Kress, any other positives, challenges that people can expect from these styles? Well, with, with a passive style, you know, the biggest issue is really not getting what you want, but also just, it creates so much conflict in relationship when you, when you expect, you know, if you're expecting your partner or other people you're working with or friends to read your mind, Mm. because that's something that happen. (laughs) You know, we can't expect that from people and it's not like, oh, I'll find the perfect partner and they'll read my mind. Mm-hmm. Because if someone's reading your mind, you know, that's not healthy either. Mm-hmm. Because then that means they're like trying to figure you out and anticipate your every move. And that's not healthy either. So really that would be, you know, the unfortunate side effect. I think the benefit of a passive style is, um, you know, it doesn't rock the boat. So it does feel safe in the short term. Mm. But like I said, it's not really like a long-term strategy because eventually the relationship becomes too painful. And, you know, when that happens, you might get depressed or you might explode and kind of just lose it with the relationship or you might leave. Mm -hmm. And so with a passive style, you know, the pros are that it's a short-term solution for sure in some situations. And in some situations, it's actually, you know, especially if your child, you know, that might be the very safest thing to do. And so it can be adaptive, but when you're an adult, it can be problematic for sure. You know, and with an aggressive style, that style is certainly rewarded in our culture often. You know, it helps you kind of get ahead and things like that. 
But um, eventually, you know, you end up kind of burning bridges because if you're not cooperating with people, if you're not listening to people, eventually, you know, they get kind of tired of that. And so it doesn't create like a healthy relationship that feels like you're getting your needs met too, if you're on the other end of it. And so other people can either, you know, leave or they might just shut down when they're with you. So ultimately it can push people away. Although, you know, initially an aggressive style might help you get ahead, might make you look more successful or more, you know, um, even appear assertive to people. Um, it does have drawbacks for sure. And as for the passive aggressive style, you know, when you don't address underlying problems, but there are underlying problems or there are, you know, you are angry. Um, what happens is it comes out in behaviors, mm. you know, and so it can be really frustrating and confusing to other people when, you know, you're saying yes to project, but then you don't do the work or when you are not setting boundaries and then, you know, you act like a victim and you kind of paint yourself as the victim in a situation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that can be really confusing to people because it sends so many mixed messages. And then of course, like, you know, things like sarcasm and like backhanded compliments, like those can be really hurtful. And so they can hurt relationships. But again, you know, if you're doing the best you can with that communication style, it can seem like a short-term solution too. Absolutely. Because you are trying to not rock the boat by being, you know, directly aggressive, you know? So sometimes it can keep the peace for a little while, but eventually things start showing up behaviorally. Dr. Kress, so much fascinating information. We are going to be back um, with Dr. Kress to talk more about strategies to help change your communication style, to help partner as well, depending on their communication style. So make sure to come back um, for our next episode here on Well Loved with Lucia. A treat and retreat for your day. This is Well Loved with Lucia. Thank you so much to Dr. Anna Kress for joining us. There was so much information. We want to break this into two parts. So hopefully from this, you learned about which communication style is yours. Click below because we are going to, or however you're listening, there's another show floating around, part two, um, of how to work on your communication style. Maybe you learned something that you really truly didn't know about yourself um, or about your partner and you want to figure out how you can enhance your communication style, um, Dr. Anna Kress is going to come back and talk to us about it. In the meantime, make sure you follow us on social media. I love talking to you. I love getting to know you. Part of the reason I do this is because I really want to connect with you and hear your stories and share your thoughts. So please feel free to reach out on Instagram is probably truthfully what I'm on the most. You can find me at Lucia Naz or of course at Wellseekers and we will be starting an at Well Loved page as well. So we are all over the place. Um, so make sure to reach out to us. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter too at Wellseekers and I'm on Facebook and we'll put all those links below. Um, so stay tuned for part two or click on part two because we will be back. From all of us here at Well Loved, thanks so much for being a part of our family. We hope that this show helped you connect deeper to yourself and the people that you love. So we'll be back on Well Loved with Lucia. Find a new kind of love for yourself and others.